Johnson looks around the outside. He knows Johnson's got to be thinking about that broken wrist last year and the, the fall with Storbeck. He does not want to get hurt again. It was put him out for a long time in 1989. So Stanton, carrying the number one plate, has got a reel in his teammate and passing without both of them going down. Look at how rough that track is getting. The second 250 moto, Johnson won the first one after a tremendous battle with Stanton, and it's a replay, and Johnson back in front for the second moto. Here's Stanton trying it. Try he does. A beautiful pass in midair. Sets Johnson up, goes by on the inside. Johnson's not... Pulp MX Network Production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weed revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast. Thank you for listening. Tell a friend. Subscribe, rate, review, all of that stuff. Thanks for uh, listening. Today's race is 1990 Gainesville motocross season opener, and we're stoked to have Rick Johnson on the show with myself and Jason Wygant. Thanks to Liat, man, for uh, coming on board this show, whether it's the neck braces that they made their name of, the gear that the Moto Concepts guys ride, protective gear, for uh, motocross and mountain bike, Liat.com, uh, to check out all of the full line of information that they have. And if you want to save with the folks at Liat, email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com, and we will pass it on to those guys. And you'll get a code to save at Liat, whether it is the uh, 6.5 Velocity Goggles, the uh, 5.5 Flex Lock Boots that our own Chris Kiefer helped develop. Different people ride for different reasons. Yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body on the line for the sheer enjoyment of it. And this is what Liat offers as a brand. They make uh, protective wear helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, and more. What Liat really stands for is a promise of things to come. They are in the business of making sure that you have the confidence and equipment to push yourself faster, harder, and further than you ever thought you could go. Visit them at Liat.com. I also want to thank the folks at Max's Tires, Guts Racing, Scott Goggles, Decal Works, all on board with us as well. Uh, lots to talk about with those companies, of course, later on in the show. But uh, for now, let's uh, get Weege on the line, discuss Gainesville 90, and also get RJ on. What's happening, Jason? Why again? It's time for re-raceables. Well, it's overtime, actually. It's past due time uh, for this episode of re-raceables because I cannot even understand this. Have we really not had Rick Johnson on this show before? I don't believe we have. And I don't. How is this possible? That's that's our bad. Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, he's a, he's a legend. He's outgoing. He loves to talk, do interviews, and talk about the old races. He's a knowledgeable guy. He's been the star probably of a lot of these that we've done. I we did. I remember specifically we did Atlanta '89 with Stanton. We did Atlanta '90 with Wardy. We did Rodeo Cup with Jim Holly. We did Daytona '86 with Jim Holly. Like. We did Daytona Anaheim 86 with Jim Holly. Like, yeah, we've, he's been all part of this show. It's amazing. 
I, I, I think at the very beginning we were like, we're not going to always talk to the winner because that it'll be maybe more interesting to get a story you haven't told. And then at some point it kind of morphed into like, you know, just picking a great rider and tell us a great race of yours. And then we never circle back. I don't know. I don't, I do not understand. The only thing I can come up with is that RJ just won so many races that we forgot that. Yeah. When you win a lot, it makes it look easy. That doesn't mean that for him, they weren't memorable. Like, well, the, he wasn't riding at 75%. These were big deals. Yeah. He won, but it was just like, ah, oh, RJ won again. Ah, whatever. <laughs> right. Like, you know, basically he just worked everybody once again. Um, he, yeah, like Carmichael, the only time we had Carmichael on here was to talk about um, racing Stu for the first time. We never were like, hey, the 101 nationals he won. Yeah. Like, none of them seem that compelling, so we just never even bothered to ask. No. Hey, Ricky, you, you got the whole shot, and then you – or you got you got third off the start, and then you grabbed the lead on the lap, opening lap, and then you just – You passed Kyle Lewis on a four-stroke, yeah. and then you're in the lead. Yeah. And then you won by 24 seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So um, huge, huge apologies to RJ. And oh. just for the record, though, you and I have done many things with RJ. We just haven't had him on this particular show. No, I've uh, yes. one of the best pods I did, uh, one-on-one pods yep. with RJ uh, years ago. It was amazing. And um, yep. really, yep. really good guy. Great to talk to. Stoked we got him on the show finally, the Lee at Re-Raceables. And the reason it happened was just out of the blue, he sent me a text and said, hey, if you're going to, talk about Daytona 86, you know, you should talk, find out the whole story or something. And I'm like, what? I'm like re-racking my brain. And then he, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And that podcast we did with Holly is a year old, but somehow it worked its way into RJ's orbit. And, um, and that's what he was talking about. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're in. We'll, we'll any race you want, <laughs> you're in. Mm -hmm. just, just name oh, it. Yeah. And, and he picked this one, Gainesville 90. This was uh, his pick uh, for many Many reasons that, that he'll talk about here shortly. Uh, it is a great race for sure. Uh, the subplots behind the scenes and on the track and everything else are are deep. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it's it's a really great race to talk about, that's for sure. Yeah, so this pod changes depending on how our guest is. This one, we're just going to go heavy on RJ's interview because it's just so spectacular. And um, – the small picture of, you know, who passed who on what lap isn't really the story here. It's what this meant and his comeback from a wrist injury and all that. So, honestly, I think most of the show we're just going to play our RJ interview because it's so compelling. Yeah, I, I do mention this <clears throat> to him on the interview, but I, for real, just thought he was going to get back to winning. You know what I mean? As a kid. Watch, oh, yeah. I just like, okay, yeah, he broke his wrist. Oh, well, whatever. As soon as he gets healthy, he's going to whoop everyone's ass even more. That's just really what I thought. And it would go on that uh, if you don't count the USGP, I believe that he won two more races, this one and Unadilla. Yeah, but the point is the very first race, which you talked to him about, that he comes back from the wrist injury. And just to get everybody up to speed, we'll talk about this with RJ. But yeah, 1989 Gainesville, he breaks his wrist. He's off for a few months. He comes back. He wins the very first race in his return, which is the Unadilla USGP. And you're right. I'm sure everybody at that point, Honda included, is probably like, all right. Sorry, you missed three months, but you'll be back to winning everything soon. Yeah. And that doesn't materialize. It, he's not the same guy, uh, which is why this win becomes so significant because it's clear, like, wait, the wins are not coming automatically. Wait, RJ won again? Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Uh, by the way, uh, thank you to Scott Sports. They've been providing the best in goggle technology at all motorsports disciplines for over 50 years. Scott's a global leader in innovation, technology, and design. They've always been there to support racing from guys like Jason Anderson, Pro Circuit, Chad Weenan, our guy Walker Fowler, 
Uh, they choose the quality product and support from Scott. Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the Re-Raceables podcast, many of which included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. Thank you to Maxis Tires as well. Uh, MXSTs, developed by uh, that McGrath guy. He's done a few of these shows. Uh, great mountain bike tires, light truck tires, trailer tires. Our guy Chris at Maxis was just out at the King of the Hammers. Uh, on his Maxxis uh, UTV, uh, I saw. So thank you to Maxxis guys. They make a lot of tires for a lot of things, and they do a good job on that. So thank you to those guys. We'll tell you more about Guts and Decal Works later on, and, of course, Liat as well. So this race is on YouTube. Uh, it is voiced over by the great Larry Huffman uh, maybe weeks after the fact, Weege. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming this is for like a VHS tape, not for television or something. So like to me, it's done after the race. So there'd be plenty of time to get it all dialed in. But poor Larry, it, it appears that they're just like, we're going to lock you in a room. We're going to play the tape. And it's 42 minutes. So you have to announce for 42 minutes. There will be no replays. There were no do-overs. You have to get this done <laughs> in the allotted amount of time, Larry. Maybe Larry, who is still the premier announcer in the series at this point, Maybe Larry's like, look, you got 43 minutes, and that's all you got. Like, it seems like it. I have an yeah. appointment, and I got to go. So roll the tape. Like, he, he doesn't really know who's leading or what's going on. But, again, like with the, with the fact that this wasn't a live call, you can just pause it and look and then pick it back up. But he doesn't. Um, it's, yeah, it's like the first lap, the riders are too far away, and he can't read the numbers. So he's literally like, I can't quite read the number. I think that's a Yamaha. Yeah. And I'm like, why wouldn't you stop and be like, can you just tell me who is in the lead, and then we'll go back and redo the whole shot so I can tell you who got the whole shot. But no, no. he would just roll the tape. Roll the tape. And I love how at one point he says the track's in great condition. It's not too dusty. And I'm like, what? Oh. Like, this track looks hammered. This is this track oh. is beat. Gainesville. Uh, 90. Not a fun track to ride. There's no way. No, man. It looks so dry, so sketchy. Um, I don't know. Was Gainesville... I have to ask. I mean, RJ would know, but we talked to him for 45 minutes about other stuff. Was Gainesville a sand track at one point? Was no, it? Uh, no. It's, it's sandy and hard. Like It's sandy in the bottom. It's in and it's out of It's just always been like this. It's always been like that, yeah. Okay. okay yeah. yeah. Ever, even yep. when, on my first time there, it's... It, not far well, off. Well, I mean, of, even yeah. like before that. Yeah, I've ridden there a time or two also, but like, I don't know if it was like, no, in, in 1980, it was a full sand track no, or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't, but yeah, this is so hard square sketch. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, gnarly. It, it is. It really is. Um, there's also a great story behind this race. Uh, and I did a podcast with Dennis Hawthorne, longtime team green guy. Um, and yeah. uh, uh, he still works for Kawasaki now. Um, he's in second or third in the first 250 moto. And he told me on the pod, it was one of his favorite memories of his racing career. But unfortunately wow. for Dennis, he absolutely cartwheels and takes out Wardy at some point in his first moto. He tells the story on the pod. It's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wardy ended up, uh, they said he broke his knuckle in a crash. Yeah. I didn't know it was with Hawthorne. Yeah, it's Hawthorne going yeah. down and just the cartwheeling bike cleaning out Jeff Ward. So, oh, uh, yeah. God. Um, Hawthorne, an arena cross guy. This is impressive for, for a national running yeah. third. Yep, absolutely. Uh, there's also a banner. So, 1990, this is Larry Ward's first season as a big bike guy, and he had mm -hmm. won one national, and, you know, Larry went on to a great career. But at this point, uh, I don't know if anybody would have picked Larry for much of anything, but there's a banner on the inside yeah. of smoke em Larry Ward. Larry Ward, everybody. Yeah. I don't know if his no. family made that banner. I don't, like, obviously huge Larry Ward fans in Florida 
at this day. Yep, not Wardy or Stanton or Johnson or, or all these, you know, already established champions at this point. The only banner that you can see on this television show for any rider is mm-hmm. for Larry Ward. A couple other things that I thought were great was second moto, Bradshaw is leading, and he comes up to the finish line, the iconic jump out of the pit, right? Oh, God. And, dude, yeah. he just exits stage left. They don't show it, but Larry Huffman goes, Bradshaw's jumped off the track, and I can imagine he might have killed someone because he just goes left, and you're from, and the shot's from behind, and you're like, oh, my God. And then next, the next shot is RJ and Stanton by themselves. Yeah, well, um, the, all the previous laps to that, Bradshaw, in typical Bradshaw style, he enters a corner on the left side of the track, goes all the way to the right side, then bounce, bounces off the bank and then goes back to the left on the takeoff of the jump. He literally goes from left to right to left in one section of the track, and he keeps getting ballsier and ballsier, the launch. So I guess eventually the launch over that finish line jump, oh, yeah, I literally just watched it right now. He's just gone. Gone. Bye. Gone. <laughs> He's just gone. Uh, but he takes off on the right side of the track and lands on the left on a huge jump. Yeah. I cannot imagine No. No. that uh, – Stanton and RJ, who were behind him, were pumped on that. But this is 1990 Bradshaw. There were no rules. Cyclelus says that he jumped 140 feet off of that finish line, and and uh, he had some pain in his in his leg after some of these jumps. So I I don't know. Like, yeah, who, I'm not I'm not sure. But um, it it shows where Bradshaw's head is. Like he's holding off RJ and. But we can't tell how long the moto actually is, right? Because it's edited. We're watching on TV. So I don't know if he holds him off for eight minutes or 18 minutes. I don't know. But he is riding so over his head. Or maybe it's the bike. You know, maybe it's the Yamaha versus Honda. Whatever it is. It's like, dude, there is no way you're going to hold these two guys off for 30 minutes. There's no chance. But he does not care. Like, I'm going to ride until I'm dead. But I'm not letting these dudes pass me. He's 17 at this point. 17. (laughs) <laughs> yes but there's just no surrender you know what i mean like no he's not gonna beat them in a 30 minute moto he's 17 years old it's his first 250 national uh ever it doesn't matter like i'm gonna ride till i crash i'm not letting you guys pass me no no absolutely not uh our guy doug dubach who we did a re-raceables with both hole yep. shots number yeah. seven yeah yep hanging tough the dr yep. d uh he's known for his starts uh also there's a brief brief rollerball sighting in uh, in the second moto, I think when they're going out, out uh, the third or fourth turn, so that made me happy. Okay. That that, that okay. made me very happy. And also, if you watch this on YouTube, I believe about halfway through the second moto, there's a cut, and they just show the same footage again. I'm almost oh, positive. No. I'm, oh, Huffman must have been very mad that added one minute to his hourly yeah, rate. They cut it, and then Bradshaw's gone. This is this is like uh, uh, some point before the jump, I think, and then Bradshaw's out of the scene. And then they cut it, and Bradshaw's back in. I, I don't know. It's really confusing editing. I don't know what was going on at one point with the camera angle. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to keep track of how. I'm like, how does RJ end up back ahead of Stanton or whatever? And no, just kind of. I don't think they show it. Yeah. It's it's nonsensical at times. Um, yeah, who knows, man. But this is, this is what you had to deal with back then. I mean, I think it's literally like a couple camera guys, you know, with tapes. And then it's like they all put in their tapes on a desk at the end. Yeah. And, all right, take all six of these tapes and try to make a moto out of it. Yeah, it, um, it's a great yeah. race, though. It is a great uh, race between these two guys, Stanton and RJ, who, you know, uh, our, Rick's going to get into it, but there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes uh, at this moment. So, 
yeah it's yeah it's, um but suffice to say this second moto i mean you just don't really see this i mean guys get tired right like you can't we we know that the riders will never admit they get tired right steve they get tight or whatever yeah but there is a we all believe there is a little bit of a i cannot go 101 percent for 30 minutes there's got to be a few ebbs and flows flows lulls maybe i back it down a slight I mean, it is Stanton and RJ just at each other's throat, inside, outside, side by side, going full tilt the whole freaking way in the second moto. Yep. Yeah, it's great. It's great racing. Um, yeah. In the yep. 125s, it's Mike Krodowski with the win. Bale gets second. There you go. One, two, two, one, I believe. Uh, Guy Cooper, our guy, Guy Cooper, he came from 37th to finish fourth in one moto. Sounds, uh, about, hey. sounds about right. Hey, uh, he wins the title this year by one point. There we go. <laughs> Saves the day. Yep. We do. Yep. If he had finished fifth in that moto, he doesn't win the title. How about that's, that? That's Coop. Yep. That's that's Sky Coop yeah. for sure. Um, yep. All right. Anything else? Uh, or do you just want to go to our uh, to our RJ interview, which, by the way, we knew would be great before we called him up, and it absolutely delivers. It's great. Yeah. The only other thing I want to say is sometimes you look back at old races and probably more in Supercross with two strokes and, and stuff and suspension in those days, they look slow. That's the other thing. Not only are these guys going at it, but they are truly hauling ass. Like it doesn't look slow or man, those old bikes. I mean, they are hauling ass on this beat to shit track. It is impressive. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. They, yeah. They're they pushing, and they both say that in Cycle News afterwards. The quotes are, I'm tired, and you know it was a great race, and all of that. So, really, well, really. Maybe it's a difference in Supercross. Like, <clears throat> they're not, no one's doing quads, you know, in the two stroke days like, like they are now on these rocket ship perfect traction bikes they have. Mm. But maybe it's a difference in Supercross and outdoors. They look, I mean, it looks like they're going the same pace that guys on 450s are right now. They look so damn fast. Yeah. Yep, no, I agree. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, thank you to the folks at Guts Racing. Uh, Pulpamex 23 is a code to save with Guts. Uh, seat foam, seat bases, a lot of teams in the pits are using Guts Racing. Uh, they can customize your seat covers as well. Uh, they can make you uh, have a non-slip top with uh, a, a normal side, or you can be all slip all over the place. Tall foams, short foams, vintage bike stuff, GutsRacing.com. Pulpamex 23 is a code to save with those guys. Thank you to the Guts Racing guys, and, of course, Decal Works, Scott, Maxis and the folks at Liet, Liet.com. Uh, email us using the contact form if you want to save it, Liet. Uh, we can certainly uh, do that for you. So, all right. Uh, here is the Liet Reraceables interview with Johnson, Rick Johnson talking 1990 Gainesville and, and a lot more. So, we'll come back after this. And now we're pleased to welcome on uh, the Liet Reraceables a, a gentleman that has not done this show yet, and Weege and I deserve. Full scorn for not inviting this legend onto the show, multi-time motocross, supercross champion, Rick Johnson. What's up, RJ? How are you, man? I'm doing great. Just dealing with the weather out here in California. I mean, it's not like not like what you know everyone has going in the Midwest and stuff. We actually saw snow, sunshine, yeah. rain. We saw a little bit of everything today. So craziness out on the West Coast. Yeah, absolutely. Weege, how have we not had RJ on? How is this the first one, Weege? We've done we've done. A year and a half of these, Weech. We, we, well, it's a weird thing, Rick, where you you and, for some reason, Guy Cooper are the two riders that get brought up the most in these things. And then we get – it's almost like we keep going not for the obvious. Like, we go for someone who won in one race ever or is his best race ever or some crazy thing. And then it's like, well, Rick won, like, 
literally 80 of these. We'll get to them someday. Yeah. And then a year and a half went by. <laughs> well, so, so, so then I had, I had to shame Mathis yeah. <laughs> via text. I'm like, hey, you know what? Thanks. He's like, oh, you want a bunch of them. I'm like, thanks for playing, downplaying one of the best races of my life. That's good. I feel better uh, about myself. 86 Daytona. <laughs> we, we, we called up Jim Hawley for that. That was his best ever Supercross finish. And, yeah, you just crushed it that day. And you were like, well, that was great. I'm like, I didn't think – yeah, I mean, you were just great, but you were great in all these races, so I didn't think that race would resonate more with you, RJ, you know? But that's not the one we're doing today. But, yeah, 86 Daytona, you, you, we missed the mark on that one, Weege. Jeez. Uh, I, had, I, had a, I, had a good, I had a good day. And Jimmy and Jim yeah. rode great that day. I, you know, got to give it to him. And David got – fact, Dave, oh, I need to thank Jimmy because David yeah. hit, hit uh, <laughs> Jimmy Hawley, and yeah. he went down. So, yeah. I mean, if you're going to if you're gonna go in and – and stuff it in on somebody, Rollerball, Ross Patterson, and Jimmy Hawley are not the two guys that you want to come in. They <laughs> think they're going to move. Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks, for, <sighs> thanks for mentioning Rollerball. Um, all right. Steve appreciates that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do a lot. Uh, all right. So 1990 Gainesville, Weege and I have been rapping about this before we brought you on. And it is, uh, of course, we've covered your wrist injury in 89. You were the man in 89. You would have won it. Everything in 89, you probably would have won everything in 90 and, and so on and so forth. This was big, though. This was the opening round of the Nationals. This is the race that you had asked us to talk about. And, man, yeah, it, this is an unlikely win from you, uh, I think, at the time. People were be, would have not put you on beating Stanton, uh, your protege. But uh, what a race. Really, really good day, Rick. Well, it, it, was, it was. It was a painful day. It was, it, was a, it was a ton of emotion because to go back to the place where, you know, um, I had the situation where I got landed on um, unintentionally. No one, no one meant to do it. It just had happened. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and, and, and got landed on. And, and the emotion that I went through, now that I even talk about it, I remember looking down and my hand was off to the side and kind of twitching weird and, and – I, I, it just, I hate to say it, but I had a feeling like, man, I'm never going to be the same because my hand was basically almost ripped off. It wasn't compound, but it was, Mm -hmm. it was mangled really, really bad. So, so that's to come back and have do, you know, top five and this and that and the supercross and then come back there, uh, which was a hard track because it goes from sand to really hard square edges and stuff like that. So it was, it was a real taxing. So, I was in great shape physically as far as like cardio wise, because Brock Lever was kind of helping me, you know, he came back and said, Hey, I'll help with you. I'll take you on runs with these triathlon guys and stuff like that. So I was lean fit and, um, and that, but <clears throat> my bike shape, I wasn't that good. Cause I just, I couldn't do motos, um, the way I wanted to and stuff like that. So go in there and Jeff Stan was, Jeff Stanton was, was the man. I mean, he was, and he was also arrogant. So we'll talk, we're going to talk about that too, is, is, is the, the different thing, because I want to start off by saying, you know, yeah, I could have, should have, would I would have won all this different stuff, but Jeff was coming on and Jeff's, you know, after Jeff beat me in Atlanta before, you know, he messed up, went off the track and then I, I tucked the front wheel and, and he won and, and he was he was he was ready for me. He I mean he knew my training routine. I he would every time we would go out, I would do if I did thirty minutes, he would do thirty one minutes. If I did thirty two minutes, he'd do thirty three <laughs> minutes. It didn't it didn't matter. So he had that attitude. If I whatever I ate, he ate. Whatever I ran, so he did everything. He was the perfect student, and 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 he did really well. So I think that I don't think I would have dominated everything. 
Um, I think Jeff would have definitely won some stuff, but I think I would have beat him in the long run. But I think we, I think it would have been a great matchup because I think, you know, uh, I, I think our styles would have matched up really well. And, and he was strong, and Damon was coming on that year, and Chicken was going pretty fast, and Wardy was still there. So, I, yeah, I would like to say I would have dominated everything, but I don't think so. I, th- I think those guys would have figured out some of my shit. You, you really had us RJ fans, and I was one of them. Weege was also kind of confused because you come back in 89 and you win the USGP, right? And we're just like, oh, yeah, same old RJ. Like, you know, the new boss is the, is the old boss. But, yeah, like you said, your wrist was not not good. Well, <laughs> so. no, and Unadilla, Unadilla was perfect for me because it was softer. I could hang off the back. It was a 45-minute motos. Like I said, I was strong, man. I went up to the Olympic Training Center with the guy named Mark Hodges, and and I, I went riding with, with male and female pro bicycle people, and I would go running in at, at the out, at altitude at the base of Pikes Peak and up in Woodland, uh, Woodland uh, it's called Woodland, uh, Woodland uh, Colorado. And so and I, I was riding velodrome stuff. So I was doing everything to make myself a, a, a really strong, like a Johnny O'Mara, David Bailey, mm-hmm. Brock Glover, cardio animal. But uh, that wasn't my strong point before. It was just being able to jump further, hit shit harder, and break harder than anybody else out there. So so when I went to Unadilla, let's be honest, Jean-Michel Bale was three seconds a lap faster than me in qualifying. Three seconds. I was second, all right? So I came into the, I know we're supposed to talk about Gainesville. Ironically, <laughs> I uh, love the story though. So go. <laughs> Jean Michel Bell won won the race that I got hurt at. But anyways, I come in. I'm like all arrogant. I'm thinking because I'm hauling ass. I'm, I'm I'm pinned wide open the whole time, but I'm still 180 pounds. I come into Brian. I'm like, yeah. So how's my time? And he goes, uh, you're three seconds down. I go, what? <laughs> he goes, you're three seconds. I go off of who? And he goes, you're three seconds off of Bale. I'm like, there's no way. He goes. Dude, it's right there. Everyone's talking about it. So I watched him. And I'm going, how the hell is he three seconds? I'm, I'm pinned everywhere, you know? And I'm like, so I watched him. And I'm like, okay, he, he approaches the berms different. And so I came from California, hard berm style, where I would hit shit really hard. And actually, the, the preload of the spring into the turn would launch me out of the turn. So you gain speed by hitting the berm as hard as you could. Well, Unadilla, they're soft and mushy in that. And Bales used to ride in mud and Europe and all this stuff. And he's entering the berm really soft and spreading the load around. And, and so I'm like, okay, I got to try his style. So now I'm trying to reinvent myself in, in, in a two minutes of <laughs> qualifying session. I don't get it. I'm still three seconds off. We start the moto. He, he takes off. He's three seconds. He's six seconds. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I swear to you, I'm riding like I'm qualifying for a supercross. I'm beat off the pegs going as fast as I can. It goes on nine seconds. And I'm thinking, there's no way he can humanly keep doing this. And then it goes nine seconds. And I go, oh, I got him. And then it went eight seconds, then six seconds, <laughs> three. And here he comes. And I'm like, so in my mind, I'm going, you son of a bitch. You're playing possum on me. <laughs> you're you're going to, you're just resting. And then he's going to go again. So I made sure when I passed him, I hit him really hard right before the screw you. <laughs> so I'm like, he, he's, so I, I hit him really hard. I bank, go down the screw. I go way to the inside. So, so if he wants to fight, he's going to go to the outside and I torpedo him again. But anyhow, so then I, then I just go, I'm just going to keep going as hard as I can. Just, and I'm breathing hard. I'm tired. You know I mean? It's, it's, I've been sprinting for four, five laps or five or six laps. 
And then I just start yanking him. And then next thing you know, he was dead. So he, once again, uh, the, 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 the deal about that, I don't know why we got into that story, is about racecraft. And, yep. and find a way to beat him because he's too fast. Just I got to be strong. I got to be more dumb. So <laughs> uh, but yeah. Watching this race back, um, yeah, this looks like a – this is dusty, hard pack. It's Gainesville, like you said, soft in some spots, square edgy stuff. And you mentioned you were in a lot of pain this day, and I can understand it. Uh, one year and one day later, uh, not a great race for the wrist, and it makes your win, your 1-1 win even more surprising. Yeah, well, and, and it was. So I, I, I was trying – it was tough because I was hoping for it to get better, you know, because I always healed. I mean, I – dislocated my hip, I healed. I broke my collarbone, I healed. I raced in a couple of weeks. I, I broke fingers, I raced in a couple of weeks. You know, I, it was just, you deal with the pain and you move on. Well, for me, this just, this pain wasn't going away. And so uh, if you watch my body position, I'm dropped in the right, I, my hand, the way I, you know, kind of cooper it, and chicken wing it, as they say. And, you know, I can't twist the throttle like I could. And, and so, so it was it was it was a tough go, but be honest, man. If you look at the pace that Stan and I had, I mean, Bradshaw was nowhere in the same zip code. I mean, he was nobody was around us. I mean, those Dubak, I think, got the whole shot in the first moto. Both both motos do Dubak. You had to deal with him, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then and then we got by him, and then we just took off, you know. And then everybody else was was there, but there was there were no around us and, and if you watch jeff and i go back and forth and back and forth and we you know we're cutting each other off because we have to i mean you have to control the guy when you pass him just because you take away his line that's not a dirty move that's what's necessary to keep him from passing you back because if you don't if you don't hold me up in the middle of the corner i'm going to square you off and i'm going to hit you on the exit it's just that that simple so we, so jeff and i were going back and forth and and but and it was it was a very painful deal, but I I think I just outwilled him. You know, as I said, I think Jeff was faster than me that day. I know that his body was stronger. He was at a great point in his career where he was where he was he was lean, but he wasn't too lean. He didn't get weird and just eat potatoes and running all the time and want to get in bicycle and, and running shape. He was he was in great motocross shape, and I think he was probably about 170 pounds, and he was. He was a son of a bitch. He was fast and smooth and aggressive. Yeah, you picked this one because, yeah, as we make the joke there, Daytona 86, we just feel like, well, I mean, you were just bulldozing the competition for a while. But this one you felt, <clears throat> this is special because you didn't necessarily feel like you were the fastest guy. Well, a, a couple things. So so with Jeff, you know, everybody wants to go this back and forth and stuff. And, and I want to be clear. I have nothing nothing but respect for Jeff Stanton because uh, I know where he came from and I also know where he's at. Um, when you get power, when you get the number one plate and stuff like that, you, you have a, you get an edge. You have to have an edge to be that guy. And he, you know, he went from a, a very humble with his dad and his brothers and mom and everybody like a farm boy that was really sweet to all of a sudden now he's in the limelight making tons of money and, and he's everybody's sweetheart. Um, so when I, when I left and I came back, I felt that him and Denny were, were pretty arrogant and, and rightfully so. I mean, shit, they kicked everybody's ass, you know, and, and, but, but I just, I kind of felt like, man, you know, I, I kind of feel like 
you're looking down your nose at me. And, and even if you watch that, that Facebook thing at the beginning, I say, well, I, I feel good. I feel fast. I think it's going to be a great race. And then he comes on and he goes, yeah, he's fast, but we'll see. You know, and <laughs> Jeff had that, Jeff had that attitude at that time. And so that, so that was the fuel for me. I'm like, can I cuss on this show? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm like, fuck you. There's no way I'm laying down. I'm either going to die. Or I'm going to beat you. And, um, I beat him. And I beat him fair and square, you know, um, and, and it meant a lot to me because, you know, he said to me after Atlanta, um, all, all I had to do was beat you once. And, I, and I'm and I'm like, man, you know what? Everybody's beaten me once. Like everybody. <laughs> and but not everyone beats me every weekend after they beat me once. But in his case, he kind of did because I got hurt and snap. But once again, don't take this as as. I don't respect Jeff Stanton or, or or anything that he's done, and I hate that that his that people say to him, you know, um, well, if Rick Johnson was there, you wouldn't have won. Well, I wasn't, you know, and 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 here's the other thing is if you know everyone says, oh, Rick, you would have won all this stuff. Well, Bob Hanna wouldn't have crashed and broke his legs snow skiing or water skiing. How many championships will he have won? And would I have been a dominant in 87 and 88 if David Bailey didn't get hurt? You know what I mean? There's just, there's so many coulda, shoulda, wouldas. So Jeff Stanton right, is rightfully deserves the spot that he has with his championships and what he did. Because, I mean, he he, he took everything to heart and, and made it work. So, so, so. Respect to him, but yep. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick your ass today. <laughs> here's what's, here's what's interesting about this relationship because you touched on a little bit here, and back in '89, everyone knew this. Like you guys were bros. Like he lived at your house, right? And you said, well, so everything you did was together. So what a change this is in what a year and a half, like from the off season of '89 to midway through '90. This is a drastic change in your relationship. Oh yeah. Well, so, so let's go back with, and, and I know this was about Gainesville, but it, it kind of turned into the Ricky, Ricky Johnson, Jeff Stanton story. But so when I, I watched Jeff, you know, when he's on Yamaha's and those things were piles, man. And he was kind of fat and, and he was good and he did good nationals and he, he was there all the time, you know, right, right there, but he just, he just didn't have it in Supercross. And so I and I would go back and I would stay at his house because we were we were like I said we were buddies you know I I got along with him great dad it, you know for I'll never forget the first time I stayed at his house I stayed in his room and I woke up and his little brother standing right in front of me I'm like what the hell's going on here and so then uh, then uh, his dad comes in and goes hey Jeff the cows are out and I, I look out the window and I go they're right across the street so like, can I go back to bed and so we I would go up there and train in Michigan and, and we'd hang out and stuff like that. So when it came time for a rider, I said to Dave Arnold, I said, why don't you hire Jeff Stanton? He goes, eh, he's kind of fat and he, he's, he's not good in Supercross. I go, but the guy does anything I tell him. Like we go, we do, we go do practice motos and he's on his pinging 490 and I'm on my 500 and he's, he's right there. And in the nationals, he's right there. If he can ride that, that pile of shit that fast, he, and he, he just needs to learn some Supercross stuff. And if you give him a Supercross track and he can come out and stay with me, I said, you watch. And, and so, so they did. And, and Jeff transformed himself. I mean, across the board, I mean, just people don't understand how much she transitioned and it's because he had the balls to do it. For instance, 
you know, I used to do a couple, a couple workout things. Well, one of the things I would do is I would find on my Tuesdays, Thursdays, I'd lift weights and then I would do dumbbell aerobics in the afternoon because it would loosen me up and it would get a final burn on things, all different stuff. But I had this big black guy from uh, Mike Douglas that played for the Green Bay Packers who would run this thing. So we'd have the ultimate funk session going on. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know if you know, but I am quite the good dancer. But Jeff Stan can't dance to save his life. But that, that wouldn't stop him. He would go in the front row and just charge. You know, and people would be laughing. He's like, I don't give a shit. And he was just, and that, that's the thing. And so, like I said, anytime we do something, we do bench press. Boom, 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 boom. And pop out 12. He pop out 13. You know, we're eating this now. And he just like, he, I mean, he had, he had the typical Midwest diet going on. And he yeah. just transformed himself completely. So, so yeah, it was, it, I, I was proud of it, but I was just, I was, I guess I was hurt. Cause I didn't expect more than just thanks, man. But I think he just went the other way And this. And his, his story is probably different. He probably thought, you know what, Rick's dick. Cause I said some things in Japan, you know, um, once again, this is turning into that story is when I went to, we went to Japan, I think it was the end of the year. I was, I was very threatened by, by who, you know, that I didn't have the number one plate anymore. I wasn't number one guy at Honda. The engineers weren't really t- focusing on me and stuff. And, and I'll never forget, somebody, like a girl or something, came up and said, oh, who's this and that and blah, blah, blah. What do you guys do? And, and uh, who's number one? And, and I think I think this is a story, but generalized, but I look like a mm-hmm. dickhead at the end of it, <laughs> is, is uh, she goes, who's number one? And Jeff goes, I am. And I, being an insecure prick, go, yeah, but I make more money. You know, and here's the here's a beautiful part of the story. And I said it, and then I'm like, oh, man, that probably wasn't the coolest thing. That was dumb. What, is, what an asshole. And Roger DeCoster, who I had the world respect for, waits so everybody's gone and goes, Rick, can I talk to you? And I go, yeah, sure, what's up? And I'm thinking he's going to talk to me about shock settings or this. And he goes, don't do this. I go, don't do what? And he goes, he goes just because you're, you're not on top right now, don't go down like this. Don't, don't make, don't don't put Jeff down because you're not, you know, you don't need to do that. You, your legacy is set. You're, you're just making yourself look bad. And wow. Imagine your hero telling you're making yourself look bad. You want to talk about your dad going, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. disappointed. Right. Oh God. <laughs> um, I was like, I, I literally wanted to cry and stuff, but so anyhow, so, so, yeah. so that's what I'm saying. So Jeff, Jeff, Jeff's side of the story is his side of the story. And honestly, we've never really talked about it, but, but that was kind of that. That's why Gainesville meant a lot to me because sure. yeah. I beat him, and and I don't mean that because I didn't like him. I had I had the most respect for him, and so for me to beat him was like beating me beating Bob Hanner, Brock Glover, or, or Mark Barnett, or or any of the guys before me. So so for me it was just yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come at you hard. It's a great race. It is uh is it is a great race. Bradshaw leads the second moto early and you guys get him and, and drop him and he jumps off the track at some point and uh, both of you guys got to deal with Doug in both motos and it is just square up square up you know like you like you made a mention just back and forth it's it's two guys going at it so at this point safe to say you guys aren't really talking much huh? I mean you're you're friendly but you're not anywhere near where you used to be no 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 no, no. Beca- because he's the number one guy and I'm uh, it, it's a different role than I ever played because I mean, I, in my life, 
I was I was Jeff Stanton to a lot of people, you know. I was Jeff Stanton to Mike Bell. I was Jeff Stanton to Brock Glover. Brock mm-hmm. Glover brought me to Yamaha. Brock Glover would go ride with me. You know, I would go train with him. I would. We were friends. We hung out all the time. Yeah. And what's funny is is Brock just told me this. I think last year that the Jim Felt told him when when I was young. I never knew this. He goes, "Why you why you have that kid hanging around so much?" He goes, "He's a good kid." He goes. You know he's gonna take your job one day, right? You know? <laughs> and because I mean, I still, I still look at Brock and, and Marty Smith and those guys before me, and even and Hannah, and just go, I, yeah, I, I beat him and stuff like that. But in in my mind, I, I'm still not as cool as them, you know. And it just, that's just my mind, mm-hmm. you know. I I I want to be better than them, and I think I was in, at certain times and stuff like that. But it was. It was so, so anyhow, my point is that when we got to Gainesville, I'm making a short story long, when we got to Gainesville, Jeff was already winning Supercross. I wasn't, I don't think I even saw the podium uh, one time. And then, but when I got there, I, I felt I'm like, I, I can do this. And also it, it, because of where it was and what happened the year before, I'm like, this is my, this is my time. And so I went past, I, I, I kind of checked out and on the pain level and, and gave it all I got. But let me just tell you, I was, I wasn't just sore. My wrist just wasn't sore. My lungs were sore. My legs were sore. My back was sore. Um, <laughs> my my emotion. I mean, he, he wore my ass out, but I crossed the finish line in front of him. Maybe one more lap, he would have beat me, you know, cause you saw it in, in the video. I, I crossed the finish line. He yeah. jumps over the top of me. Yeah. He looked, but it's like too late. Uh, you know? Yeah. You so, told, you told cycling lose it hasn't hit me yet. I probably won't feel it until I call home and tell them I won. So, mm-hmm. um, Interesting though, you said you hadn't seen the podium, but one week before this, uh, RJ is the epic oh, Atlanta. Atlanta brace. Yes, where you know you lead for a while, and and I mean we covered that with Wardy, just an insane Supercross race, of course. Uh, so, but did you did you know, Rick, that I don't know how medical advancement was, and I don't know how all the things you were going through. Did you think you were ever going to get it back, or were you like, yes. I'm screwed? No, I, I, I thought I'm just waiting for the pain to stop because okay. I've ridden with I've ridden with broken fingers. I've ridden with my left wrist broke in, in 1981. You know, they did they did 125. I think it's 125, 250 for the first part of the season, then 500, 250 for the second part of the season, and then 125, 500 at the end or something like that. Yeah, yeah. They broke the series. They broke the series up really weird. Well, I broke my wrist, my navicular bone, and my ulna really bad and i had to race in in like six weeks and so i did the first national uh it was redbud with a cast and then i did the usgp in mid ohio with a cast and then i took it off and i healed and my my left wrist is great you know it, but, but so when i was going through this i thought to myself it's, it's gonna get better sure. i'm just yeah. it, it just it just hurts it hurts a lot but Jeff Spencer taught me. He goes, well, there's, you, it's just pain. Like when I was, I, my fingers were broken, and the East is there. They're healed up. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to smash them as bad as you did before to break them, so you're not hurting. So mm-hmm. it's just pain. So deal with the pain and, and, and move. So I thought that's what was going on here. But but it, all truth be told, my the end of my career and my wrist and everything, I have nobody to blame but myself for getting back on the bike too soon. So I, I had pins in there and the guy did a great job. The doctor in Florida, who I don't know, and I wanted to thank him, pinned it. I had like three 
looked like motorcycle spokes through my wrist, holding the bones. The spacing was good. The guy did an unbelievable job. And then uh, I got an infection. Um, I went down, went down to the river and I was hanging out and this and that. I don't know if the sweat or the whatever, the heat or whatever, but I got an infection. I'm like, I got to get these pins out of my body. And I was just convinced that I had to get them out. I took them out. And so then I just, I started, I always had the attitude to start working it as quick as you can. So I was trying to try to stretch it and bend it and do all that stuff. Well, I compromised the joint and then I jumped on a motorcycle too soon. And I, I just thought, well, it'll heal as it goes. And I screwed myself. So the joint got compromised and mm -hmm. the, the navicular ward into the ulna and then I had to cut that and then do a partial fusion. And, and that's what caused it. So, so I have nobody to blame. So the, the technology was there. They yep. did a good job putting it. I didn't let my body heal. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so when you came back, was it, <clears throat> was it straight up like against orders or you just didn't feel right and you still pushed it? How do you know that? Yeah. I just, I, I quit going to the doctors. Like I, oh. I, here's, here, this is how I roll when it goes to doctors. I go there, I get surgery I, and they don't see me anymore. I take my own stitches out. Um, <laughs> I, I do, I do my own therapy. I, and, and this, 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 I just had my wrist plated um, 11 weeks ago. So they did the plate that, that I didn't want to do uh, 30 years ago. <clears throat> they did it. So now my hand feels great. My wrist doesn't move at all, but I have the plate in there. And that, and, and this is the first time I've listened to the doctors. He's like, give me nine weeks. I saw him in nine weeks. He goes, give me two more weeks. I'm like, okay. And the only reason I'm not on a bike today because I have everything lined up is like it snowed and rained and all that shit. So my plan is to go, go 90% highway, 10% road. Then the next day is going to be 20% road and so on, or 20% uh, dirt and so on, the 30 and so on. So, yeah. Um, but the technology was there. I mm -hmm. just, I was an idiot. Is uh, is Lunas your mechanic this race? In 90s? Yes, okay. Lunas. I couldn't quite yeah. tell if that was Brian in the mechanics area in the video. I thought it was still because not ninety one. Actually, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Wait, yeah, yeah. He was it. He was my mechanic in ninety, and then he uh, he went to Bradshaw after that, right? Yeah, yeah. He asked. He he did the same thing to me that he did to Bob, which was <laughs> really, really, really hard, hard emotionally. And he asked me to call David Bradshaw and tell him that he was going to be a great mechanic for him. And I thought. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's ballsy. <laughs> wow. No. No, he had Bob call me. Bob hate imagine how much Bob had Hannah hates hated me. I think he doesn't hate me anymore. I hope not. But um but the guy who was his nemesis and the and the guy one of one of his nemesis, he had a lot of yeah. them. And basically the guy that, that beat his super cross record by one, um, you're gonna ask I'm gonna have you ask him to, you know. Yeah, that's like that's like your chick going, "Hey, <laughs> I know that I know you hate that guy, but and we're broken up. Can you set me up with him?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so. Yeah, that, that was right. that was that was a, a hard emotional deal, but it is what it is. And I got Ron Heben, who yep. was actually the, the very first guy that ever worked on my bike, and and it broke my heart because Ron did everything a human being could do to make me better. I mean, just got books for me about about being stronger mentally and emotionally and, and everything. Yeah. And, and, it, and it fell apart. Uh, any, any qualms about taking 13 in 90? 
Absolutely. That's the dumbest fucking move I think I ever did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, as I, I was just reading, uh, which, by the way, he did a good job. Blake, Blake Wharton um, wrote, a, wrote, a, you know, wrote a thing in Racer X about it, and he did a great job. I got to give it to that kid. Mm-hmm. You know, he can, I guess he can play a bass guitar and he can write well too. But um, so I was kind of really going home on my Christian stage and, you know, I, want to save the world and, and, and all that stuff, which mm-hmm. I, my heart was right, but I was kind of like an Amway salesman. You know what I mean? I was like, Oh, I was like typical young Christian, man. I got to save everybody. Cause I don't want to be, I don't want them to go to hell. And it's like, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know any better. So if I was obnoxiously Jesus bound on you, I apologize for how I acted, but, but anyway, so when that number came out, I said, you know, I'm not afraid of 13. I'll take it. And I remember when Galen Mosier died with it and they got rid of it. You know, I was like, you know, we need to get rid of this number. And they got rid of it, and rightfully so. And, but I said, no, I'm not afraid of it. I'm going to show the world that I'm, you know, I'm a strong Christian. And I'm going to make it happen. Well, I got the shit kicked out of me that year. You know, I, 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 uh, I won the race at, at Gainesville. The next week in Daytona, I crashed in the, in the main event because um, I, my hand was so sore during practice and stuff. My setup was way off. So they just put Jeff Stanton setting in there, which was way better, but I got up over the front of the bike and I couldn't twist the throttle. Anyway, that crash, and broke my hand. I came back too soon. Um, it got non-union. So I had to have a bone graft and, and get that together. I went and I crashed at the 500 national in, in Millville, separated my ribs and knocked myself cuckoo. I remember sitting on the starting line, in the second moto scared to death because i didn't know where the track went so i I was going okay i gotta get and i lied to everybody i'm like yeah i'm good i'm fine i'm good i'm literally like the the the, the five you know the 30 second car is up and i'm like oh shit here we go (laughs) and uh so i'm going okay what i gotta do is i need to get off about third you know how hard it is to try to get third into the first turn, you know, because I'm like, I don't want to be first because I don't know where the track goes. I yeah. literally, I, I, I don't, I, I can see that it goes down and turns right. And I think there's some whoops up there. And, and that's when they did the two-way whoops and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but I need to get behind Wardy because Wardy's got butter ankles and he never misses a jump. So I'm just going to, whatever he does, I'm going to do. But man, it was scary. And uh, so anyhow, so I try to make a short story long, but so I go through that. I break. I, I get hurt. I can't finish the 500 nationals. I'm so just. I'm like, oh man. And honestly, I swear to you, like I I went to the mailbox, got my cycle news. I'm like, I can't wait to see what number I got. Yeah. I, I don't have. I, there's no way. There's no way me, me me missing that many races that I'm gonna have 13. And I open that son of a bitch up and I saw 13. <laughs> 13 yeah. And I'm going, are you? kidding me and so now i'm like well you kind of stuck your foot in your mouth and you talked about how strong you are with god and you're not gonna back down from 13 where you're gonna look like quite the coward if you just go well never mind i'm going 14 and so i didn't and then did a couple races had some troubles did the, the race over did the race over in japan came back had throttle stick again uh and I said, I can't go to Atlanta. I went and got my check and I was done. So I cleaned out my wallet. And this, and this is in Blake's story. I'm cleaning out my wallet because you always carry your AMA card. Because you give it to them, then you get it back when you get your 600, 
six thousand dollars or whatever is when you win at the end of the night um and i'm looking at it and i'm like because it's an emotional deal i'm like man i carry these things this is like my sign of who i am and you know pro racer and my card and stand i look at it and i see the 13 and what i'm looking at the 13 is the year member and i go wait a minute i look down and i see pro number 13 and i'm like holy shit my last, I've raced 13 years and I, and I retired with the, 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 the number 13. Kind of trippy. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> so much to the fact when I was going for a truck championship <laughs> at Cram and they go, yeah, you're in 213. I go, uh, no, I'm not. I'm changing my room. They're like, we can't. I'm like, there is no way. There's no way I'm staying in that room. I will. <laughs> <laughs> you learn the hard way. Yeah. Um, too many, too hey, many time, but yeah. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about Gainesville here. We talked a little bit about actually before we hit record here. Um, some of the racecraft that you used uh, to beat Stanton here at his peak, and how that even applies to what you see with some of the riders today when you're watching races. Yes, and and, you, uh, and Weege, you know me. I'm sorry for controlling this interview and talking all the time, but um, well, we got you. It, you're you're, uh, so, you're Rick Johnson, and we are not. So we're, we're yeah, fine with it's that. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so, so, so what I, is racecraft is this, is, is that there hat, there has to be trust amongst thieves. Meaning is that if you open yourself up, if you hit me and then you open yourself up, expect me to clean you out. Just expect it. You know, that's the rules. You know, you, <laughs> you punch me and you don't think I'm going to punch you back. You, you're, you're, you're absolutely nuts. You know, but you can you can hit each other and not take each other out and, and control each other. Watch Bailey and me, like you watch Bailey and I at Anaheim. I mean, I was so tired by the time he got to me. I mean, I, but I just kept going. I just kept coming at him and coming at him, and he would come at me. But if you notice, there was only the one hit where we're tired to tire when I bounce into him and I knock him out of the berm. I never rammed him. He never rammed me. He would come straight across the track. And give me the option, as I said, you know, surrender or die. And I was like, you got me, so I'm going to surrender. And then I would get him, and I would say, you surrender, and back and forth. And so that kind of stuff, and, and Wardy and I raced like that all the time. And yet, and sometimes we'd hit each other and knock each other down or whatever, but it really wasn't that kind of deal. It was more about being in the position. And if you had to use, a, and you were in a better position physically to, to bump somebody, you use that physical contact, kind of like a read across and stuff like that. But I feel, I feel in the current, the current, what we have right now is, is a lot of them, not all of them. And, and, and don't get me wrong. These guys are talented beyond belief. I mean, they're unbelievable specimens. Their technique is unbelievable. And this and that, but I think I think a lot of them the racecraft sucks. I think Cooper Webb is, is the first best racecraft. I think then it goes to I think it goes to Eli Tomac, and then it goes to to Barsha. <laughs> who's, 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 wow. You might not, you, well, you might not say he's got the cleanest racecraft, but dude, not many people come out of the corner next. You don't see him getting taken out, do you? You don't. Oh he, no. He, he no. knocks a she knocks a shit out of everybody, but but he doesn't open himself up to get hit by other people. Um, Anderson a few times, but that's usually yeah. people are shaking their heads at Anderson when he does it anyway. Well, yeah, and just Anderson, if he just calmed down a little bit, I think he'd win so many races. But that's another story. So, mm -hmm. so, so the thing is, is that you have to learn 
what what is fair and what is not fair and what is going to spark the interest in the different stuff. You watch Cooper Webb when he makes a pass, he immediately like shoots to the inside and and slows down. So that that forces the outside rider to 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 take that advantage. Now he now he comes off his break a little early uh, as I'm doing my hands that you can't see right now and he works them up to where they have a choice to either try to go around him and hit the hay bale or then he pitches them there and then he takes off and without any contact, but he's controlled them. And that's the thing that I, I use, I, I use not every day, but with the racing that I do in trucks, it's the same thing. I got to position myself. I got to bump you out of the way. It pisses people off when you do it. Like, but if, I, if you're so, if you're fine, if you know that I get close enough, you'll let me buy then I'll go by, but you're not going to, you're going to cut me off. So I have to hit you, get you offline, control you, and then run like a son of a bitch so that you don't hit me back. And, and that's, I feel there's a little bit of, a little bit of arrogance with the riders that, that they think, I can't believe you took me out. Well, I kind of say, I can't believe you let him take you out. That, and yeah. that's just, that's oh. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, don't you guys, you guys agree? You guys agree or You're disagree? Right. You guys have been watching. You guys are at every one of these races. Do you do you think I'm full of shit, or do you do you kind of see what I'm talking about? No, I'm glad you went there because we we talk about this in our podcast quite a bit lately. Where I feel like Webb doesn't get Webb is like a a critic's choice. He's like the uh, the album that's not a huge hit, but the the music aficionados love it. We yep. the fans I feel like don't see it. They're like, I don't get Webb doesn't seem that good. I don't see the speed. He doesn't jump anything crazy. He's not good in the whoops. Like, how can he be as good as these other guys who do mind-blowing things? And it's like, yeah, but it's so it's so subtle and so impressive what he does, but it's so hard to see. So I, I do agree. Right. In, in the end, you pretty much never, ever, ever see Webb get taken out. And these guys are taking each other out the last couple of years quite a bit. And that's just another example. Or how he dissects, kind of like you're saying with you against Stanton, like, these other guys might be stronger and faster, but I can figure out a way to win the race anyway. And I think when you're way deep inside it, people have a lot of respect for that, but it doesn't jump off the page. Um, well, you know, 1986 Rick Johnson, we didn't even think about Daytona. We're just like, yeah, he just blew everybody away again. We didn't even think twice. Yeah. It's just like normal. <laughs> well, and the reason I want to talk about that, that, and, and I'll touch on that for like 30 seconds here is that the prep that goes into, cause you're at Gainesville, you're just racing outdoor hard pack then you go to daytona and you had gary bailey putting telephone poles in the whoops they're going to wear down then you got this beach sand then you have the grass edges that are beyond vertical and you have all the different stuff and our test tracks were typically just in some field like like a, there was going to be a new target s- store and and there was an open field and you go out there and there'd be like factory honda trucks factory cowie trucks and someone goes oh there's a track over three blocks by whatever and turn left and sure enough everyone's out there practicing and testing so daytona was is it and just such a, a unique animal and it, i think it's the badass most badass race because it's a combination it is the true what it's called now super motocross it it, it, it is the one track that is, is truly a super motocross because that sand gets so gnarly it, it's so hard to breathe getting a shot in your face um the grass edges hang hang past vertical the hard the hard you know white sand jumps and all the different stuff so it, i i think it's the most spectacular race and it's in, in front of an international motorcycle crowd which which i always loved 
Yeah, it was a Daytona Supercross by Honda, right? And it, it's such a such a prestigious race to win for you guys, and that 200 was there and all of that. Um, I have well, a few, few more for me before we go. Um, Lee at re-raceables with uh, Rick Johnson. Uh, would you still have this trophy? Do I still have the trophy? Yes. I, uh, it's down at my shop. Okay. I got, I got a few of those trophies. Um, that was the, the West boys. They weren't big on, <laughs> on fan I think, I think it's right next to my second place, Barona Oaks, 1974. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. first trophy that I ever won. Um, but yeah. It, okay. It, it, uh, yes, absolutely. And then what did you do the night after this race or the evening after this race? Or did you, you know, we've, we've got a lot of stories, uh, you know, Atlanta 90, uh, chicken and Denny took, uh, Wardy to a strip club, right? Weech, is that how it went? Did I, or did I have that backwards? Um, uh, 90. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. so we have a lot of, you so know, I, what'd you do this night, RJ? Do you remember? I, I don't remember, but I didn't go out. I, you know, I was like, I was already going, how am I, how am I going to back this up in Daytona? <laughs> and I knew, yeah. and I knew, so here's the other thing that, that a lot of people didn't know is that that's when I started taking ANSED. It's like, like, like what ibuprofen is, but like the OG big dose, you know? And I was, I was having troubles, man. I mean, I was bleeding out my ass. I was, I, I was in, I was in a bad, I was in a bad way. And I'm like, how am I, I got to go to supercross settings and I got to get, I got to go just strictly sand rate yeah. practice. I, you know, Lannis and I had our routine. We had friends that lived in the land and had tracks and all the different stuff. And, and I'm, and I was like, I was honestly scared. I'm like, fuck, how am I going to get ready for, for Daytona? I, I, I can't like people are shaking my hand. I can't even shake their hand. And, and I, and I know that and I'm not making excuses. It's just, it, it is what it is. And, and as I said, Jeff Stanton gave me his, his setup for Daytona. I'm like, just, I'm, you know, cause they asked Danny and they're like, you cool with it? Cause in, in practice, I was slow. The heat race, I was slow. I qualified, but I, I wasn't that great. I'm like, but I was uncomfortable on the bike, and and so they said. So Roger and Dave went over and asked Denny and and Jeff, "You okay with the, we give him your setup?" And this is the way I remember it, and he said, "Sure, he was fine with it." You know, but you but then, uh, I, then I went up and ate shit and broke my hand. Yeah, and you would go on like you mentioned earlier, the last motocross national you ever raced, you won, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool way to go out in motocross. That wasn't the last race I won. Unadilla. No, Come I meant on. no Unadilla. No, I said oh, later oh, on. Unadilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was actually cool for me too. Yep. But I, I honestly felt like Jeff let me win. Oh really? I mean, yeah. And he and he probably just to save my pride would say no. Um but I think I think I went two one and he went one two. And I think he won the championship and uh yep. but I just felt he didn't he didn't race me as hard as is I think he could have, and I, I was going fast. Don't get me wrong; I was falling yeah, fast. You know, yeah. I was going good, but I think he could have beat me. Wow. And I think he might have. I think he might have gave that to me to be a nice guy. But you can ask him that on his show. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, no, I, I refuse to look. I, I love the fact that you won your last ever motocross race. That's that's pretty rad. Pretty way to yeah. pretty great way to go out. You know, no, it was it was awesome. Yeah. I, I, I I've not, I've I've been nothing but blessed. I you know. I, it was all great. And, you know, and, and I, th- I think all this stuff is, is, is harder on certain fans, 
then it is on me. I let it go. I've, I've made peace with it and it, it was time to move on. And I, and I looked at, I looked at my life and it wouldn't be the way it is if I would have kept going. You know, I, I don't know if I would have settled down and got married. And if I didn't do that, I would have my kids and, who are just the love of my life. And I'm, I've been married 30, going on 33 years this year. So, yeah. so yeah. So, so it's, it, it was a, it was a blessing. It was a blessing and a curse at the same time, but but everything is. What a race! It's great. People, it's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. Uh, just uh, you know, it, it, basically, what it is 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 a guy digging deep, as we've heard, to grab you know one last moment against the new young buck kid that he helped train and mold and everything else. The 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 storylines behind these two motos are, are are there. They're deep at a track one year and one day at a track where you know you had a career that altered your your injury would altered your career so there's yeah, so my life. many sub stories to this race yeah great uh <laughs> thank you man anything else Weege? no but we're gonna have you on there's many other races uh that we can talk about i'm sure so we, we did the last. we did an 85 rodeo cup also with jim holly uh you were a big part of that race too uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Be- before i go i gotta settle one thing and I'll, i want Weege to put this out to the world okay all right, we, All right, I'm going to ask you a question. Whose uh-huh. idea was it to have ex-pro racers announce with you at the Nationals? Yeah, uh, well, you wanted a shot, and uh, then it fell into play. I'm like, believe it or not, they might give uh, 12 people a shot here. And uh, you kind of only got half of one. Wait, so who was the last person that they called <laughs> no i know you were you were uh hey you know what there there was a list of 12 and you know what number you were out of 12 13 lucky number you were 13 <laughs> <laughs> you were 13 on the list of 12 no yeah, seriously um, seriously Mathis, i call i call weege uh-huh no it's true when jl stepped away rj called yeah. and he said i would love to do it i'm not saying i want to do it forever and everyone i would just like a shot i think it could be good right you know maybe i can even help other people step up their game if i just get in there once and I'm like, no problem. That's I'll, I'll I'll tell everybody I know. And then they're like, absolutely. We're going to have a whole bunch of guys and he's going to be there. And then they send me a list in like March. And I'm like, uh, you're missing somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, they go, Hey, we got you set up at, uh, Ironman. Uh, I'm like, okay, I've never raced there. I think it's a great yeah. track. I have mm-hmm. not, I have nothing to reference <clears throat> there. I'm not from, you know, and I said, and besides, I'm already booked, so I can't do it. And I was heartbroken because I, I wanted to do it just to to give a different perspective. And and you guys, dude, you guys gotta you guys gotta appreciate this. As soon as you put on that announcer shirt, dude, everybody treats you different. I walked through the pits, <laughs> and everyone was inviting me in and telling me stories and talking to me and and all the different stuff. And then I show up in Anaheim the next year, and I'm like, hey, 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 Rick, Johnson, hey, yeah, and Paula. Yeah. Uh, okay, never mind. And so Man. it's like, it's like do, you guys need to appreciate the power of the press because those those little bastards are nice to you when, when they know you can talk shit on them. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people are pretty friendly, but we're in a very favorable position. I will make you feel a little better. When you, when you don't get recognized, there's something I used to feel terrible. I've seen you and McGrath and guys that sold out Anaheim. Yeah. Walking around Anaheim and not being mobbed. And I'm like, this person used to 
result in 70,000 people buying tickets. But one thing I had not remembered is, not to rub it in here, but you probably look a little different than you did in 86, 87, 88, 89, et cetera. And sometimes I wonder, (laughs) yeah, sometimes I wonder if the fans just need to be like, oh, I didn't know that's who that is. I don't see him on TV every weekend anymore or in a magazine anymore. I know who that is. Of course I remember who that is. I just didn't even realize that's who no, that no, is. No, no, no. But, but here's, so here's the thing. Is, is that – so we're going into deeper shit, and I know I know, I got to sh- yeah. shut off here shortly. But that's the way the sport is. They just uh, – they don't know. So, like, I was joking. I had Josh uh, uh, Brooks, who's the uh, British superbike champion, a, a buddy of mine from Australia. So we go there, and I walk yeah. up to the T-shirt. I walk up to the T-shirt thing, and I go, hey, do you guys have any Rick Johnson shirts? You know, and he's filming it because I know they're going to say no. And, I, and the guy's like, uh, no. I go, well, do you, do you, have you ever heard of him? Like, no. I go, 1986? Guy goes, dude, I wasn't born yet. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, so, so so that's just the way it is, and, it, and it's okay. And and honestly, the, the, our sport needs to do more, and I think that Racer X does a great job, I think, with Eric and you and, 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 Dave, and Davey. I mean, I get – I guess he finds some photo of the archives and I get a text from him showing me like <laughs> some from 85 or whatever it is. You know, you guys are the nostalgia people, but the world's not that way now. And this is the thing, one of the things that I want to teach these young guys is that I know who, I know who you think you are. I was. And then some, you know what I mean? As far mm-hmm. as winning and power and, and all that. But dude, you're going to get hurt and it's going to disappear. And if you look at Ryan Dungey, who walked away, mm-hmm. the, print, the, the absolute prince of, of motocross and supercross. And in a couple of years, he's like, I can't, I can't live like this anymore. <laughs> you know, they're, they're young mm-hmm. and they're, they're young and aggressive. They're 30, they're, they're old, they're old, they're 33 years old. Oh, what yeah. are you going to do? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? That's, that you think is even going to give you the slightest tingle like it was lining up on a on a twenty man gate in the supercross. You ain't gonna find it unless you start doing heroin and you know, become an alcoholic and start doing really stupid stuff. It's hard to match that high. And that's the thing that I, I wanna try to help these guys. You know, I did the thing with Road Recovery about suicide and, and all the different stuff. We gotta do something to prepare these guys when the shit ends, because it it's going to end, just like our lives. We're all going to die. So anyways, I turned that pretty friggin' dark real quick. So anyways, <laughs> anyways love talking I tried. To I tried guys. to put a good spin on it, me. but uh, you're probably right. Uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's good to hear from you, Rick. We will call you sooner, I promise, because we have – yeah, so many great races to talk about. Our listeners love to hear from the guys, you know, uh, and and the details behind the races. And uh, what a day, Gainesville ninety, Lee at Reraceables. Thanks, RJ. You got it, brother. I'm so proud of you guys. Keep up the good work. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yep. Later. Good stuff as always. We each uh, RJ delivers. It's that. It's that simple. Yep. Yeah, I've talked to RJ about stuff like this. I mean. He always equates racing to, you know, how bad they want it and how it's it's life and death. They'll they'll kill to win. These are competitors. And you know that he's not the only rider ever that's felt this way, but he's really the only guy that articulates it like that. I mean, Sexton and Tomac had an epic battle for 24 motos last year, but you never really heard the emotions of it from either one of them. They just raced. They showed respect. Um, I, I just wish more guys, you know that RJ's not the only one that, thinks like this 
but he's one of the few that will actually tell you. So I appreciate it. Yeah. um, Well said. Uh, All right. At at the highest level, they all want it so bad. And the difference between first and second hurts so much because they put so much into it. And you can really sense that with RJ, what it meant to him to be champ and then lose it and then try to come back. And um, I mean, I'm sure Sexton was super bummed last year that he didn't get Tomac in that final round. But, you know, maybe someday they'll articulate it. But RJ is in a class by himself. Absolutely. Uh, well said. And thanks to Rick for the time. Uh, Lee at Reraceables 1990 Gainesville. It is time for the Lee at Reraceables categories. This one actually might be kind of hard. I was thinking about a couple of these while, while, we, yeah. were, while we were waiting. I was yeah. looking through some of the stuff. Um, okay. Uh, who really won the race? Who really won the race, Weech? I mean, that's sorry, guys. <laughs> it's, it's the race winner. I mean, he goes 1-1 a year after he has career-threatening and truly ending uh, injury at the same track. Yeah. A year, to, Johnson, a year to the day. A year to the day. A year, you say a year, sorry, a year, a year and, and a one day. day? Yes, a year and one day. Yeah. Crazy, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, Rick, Rick did. Sorry. I know it doesn't always work out like that, everybody, but that's that's how we do it. Um, all right. Who's that guy award? Could be kind of tough um, to do this. I looked at this. I think I know everybody listed in the Cycle News results. Yeah, um, all that's going to happen here is I'm going to say someone that I don't know, and then maybe Seth Rarick, although I don't think he was even born in 1990. Someone will come at us and say that's ridiculous. Um, The first one that's only like vaguely ringing a bell, but I could not tell you any fun facts about is 17th overall Dan Jeanette. I do not know anything about him, but I definitely remember seeing his name in the results. That's what I got. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. I knew it was going to happen. Are You're you ready? Canadian. He's from Michigan. Hit no, me. no. He's Swiss course buddy for one. What? Yes. What? Yes. Right now. Yes. He's Swiss course buddy. He got fourth in the mud at Hangtown. The 91 race? Yeah. Good Lord. His high flyer card was Dan Jennett. So Daniel is, you know, not something that he goes to, but. Why? Is he known as Daniel? No. No, 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 but maybe the name is throwing you off. It's Dan Jeanette is his name. But Yeah. No, I mean, I'm seeing it as Dan on the uh, oh. race track side. Oh, yeah, oh. look at that. Okay, so I'm looking Fourth, at second Fourth at Hangtown. Yeah. Wow. And then out of the top 20 of the next couple of races so that he's in. Wait till Swizz gets a hold of you. Oh, my gosh. He's Swizz Core's buddy. Yeah. I mean, he only has 12, maybe 15 races total in the vault, like nationals he was in. No Supercross at all. Oh, sorry, a couple Pontiacs because he's local to Michigan. And he has a freaking fourth out of his, like, 12 races. That's incredible. Okay. I found Sorry. Some- yeah, I found somebody, Tommy Martin, 19th in the 250 class. Well, I could have picked him, too, but someone from the southeast, he says from Georgia, is going to add us and be like, you don't remember Tommy Martin? <laughs> so it's either Dan Jeanette or Tommy Martin, either uh, one. Well, Dan Jeanette, I feel, is a household name. Household name. Yeah, I'm really surprised that you would go there with that. Yeah. Okay, household name. Um, uh, yeah, Tommy Martin. No. Uh, yep. Okay. Don't have it. I know Tommy Norton, who won the yes, uh, yeah. Blackwater 100 on a 125 in New England. I was uh, really hoping you wouldn't say, like, Carl Valancourt. No, Carl Valancourt used to come down to Englishtown. Yeah. Uh, Roland. Yeah, he, yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, I know he's Canadian, but he was well-known in the northeastern New Jersey circles. Roland Diopold, yep. 11th, German GP rider. Did you know that? 
Yes, because I think we actually talked about him. I think we did. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about him. We right. did. It maybe Atlanta ninety, um, but he's definitely not a who's that guy. Um, but maybe the eleventh is a contender. Maybe he's an early contender for a Jacob Marsack. Shout out to Jim Chester. We just had brought him up before. Our yeah, guy, Jim Chester, thirteenth overall in one twenty fives. So yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, uh, lit kid award. Um, well. I'm not a fan of the RJ's JT stuff. I know that might nope. be a surprise. Just that this nope. the cyborg stuff was just eh. It wasn't ugly. It's not going to make shit kid award, but it's not, you know, amazing. Uh, honestly, this might be a little bit out of. I didn't any the TX10 stuff. I never really liked. Uh, it was just blah. I like Tishner's getup. I like Tishner's Thor, blue baby blue yellow. Oh okay. You know, I I just yeah. I think uh, Tishner gets third overall in this day. Kind of like his look. Tishner had a good riding style, too, so that could have something to do oh, with it. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I like that. Our JT, uh, uh, Larry Ward wore JT at this point, so that was pretty good looking, too. But uh, I'll go I'll go Tishner for, for Lit Kit. I did not understand the RJ Cyborg thing, but I, I guess that was naive. I did not, at, in 90, I did not realize that really JT was already known for having looks, right? It's not just, like, colors and graphics, but it's like we have the gear with – you know, the bonehead gear, right? So it's like they have themed gear, I guess. So I should have just assumed, like, yeah, it's odd to have themed gear, but that's what JT is we known had, for. Uh, and we had the, the Dalmatians, the bonehead, yeah. the cyborg, yeah. confetti, yeah. confetti. Yes. Uh, Bale had the yeah. bombs on it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so maybe I should give him a little more credit for that. I mean, yeah, I'm, as I've articulated many times, not a huge fan of the JT gear. I thought RJs did look okay. I actually like the TX-10, which I'm the only person on Earth um, I mean, it was answer gear. Answer gear looked good at that time. Like, it's just answer gear with different logos. Looked fine. But even Stanton himself is not a fan. Uh, I thought that when it was in blue, like Stanton had in this day, it was good. But I'm going to surprise you. You know whose gear looked really good, I feel, in this era? I don't think the particular outfit he had this day was that good, but I want to give them credit. I feel like MSR had some good stuff with Cooper. I didn't like the blue on this particular day, mm-hmm. but they had good stuff in these days, and they're probably not going to be contenders for Lit Kit very often. So credit to you, Malcolm Smith Racing. I'm yep. giving it to you with Coop. Simple. And probably LaRocco, but we never really see LaRocco. No, no. Uh, simple, plain, but uh, good, you know, bold colors. Yeah, looks good. Yeah. 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 Uh, shit Kit Award. Um, oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, we got Shit Kit Award. I'm going to go, and he's made it here before, but... I believe Wardy has on the Cinesalo brick wall pants on this day, like the, oh, the uh, sort of the the wine colored brick wall. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah, it had it. Yeah, like reddish, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, like not brick. Not, yeah, brick colored. Yeah, not yeah. not a fan. I think I think that was Wardy's get up on this day. Yeah, you know what though, it's all we're adults now, right? But when this race takes place, I'm a kid. And it is one of those amazing things, influencers, before we knew the term. Whatever gear a guy like Wardy had on at that time, it would almost be impossible to be like, dude, that is so badass. It would almost be impossible for that not to happen. So I, maybe you're right if I judge it in a vacuum. But it's Jeff Ward, man. Looks fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. We need a shit kid award. Um, guy Cooper's uh, MSR gear. Can I pick that or no? You picked it for Lit Kit. I, I can't. I can't make it both. No. No. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, 
we had him on the show, so I hate I hate to do this. I, I didn't think Dubox O'Neill Gear looked good. He was up front in both motos. I hate to do this. We had a great laugh about him and his long running O'Neill. Love the guys from O'Neill. Um yeah, I didn't think it looked that good. And most gear looked good in this era, I feel. I voted him as lit kit when he had the wraparound O'Neill that I thought was an underrated look. <laughs> but know? he hated it. He hated it, yeah. He hated it, yeah. Um Yeah. All right, uh, let's do Lex uh, the Ward. Where's JT? Well, we saw him on the oh. side of the track in Atlanta in 90, the one week before this. He's here for sure. Oh, Frank's here. Cindy's here. He's it's yeah. Every, Oh, yeah. Everyone's here. He's running score sheets probably, right? That's what he was doing back then. Well, wait. Actually, in, in Atlanta 90, he was cheering for RJ. Yeah. So, so he must have been going nuts. Yeah, well, he's told the story though. Like that, I believe he said nationals. He runs. He ran the scoring sheets back and forth. Yes, but at the same time, like one week ago, he's at Atlanta hoping RJ wins, and then at his home track, RJ does win. So JT must be going nuts. Yeah, yeah. we don't. We don't really uh, get to the bottom of that, do we? With JT? No, he's talked about it. No, but no, like he's never mentioned Gainesville ninety going nuts. No, like you, no, like he talks about the disappointment that RJ didn't pull off the Atlanta win. But why did he not say? But all oh, one week later, that, that's I was what, running score sheets. That, that's where I I'm at. One eye on it. That's where I'm at. Like why? Why didn't we hear about this ninety RJ win? Do you think maybe? I, I understand. Do you think everything was maybe? Yeah. Uh, maybe he's not telling the truth. Oh, like it's not actually JT on the side cheering. Yeah, like everything's been a lie. Oh my gosh, he's been telling us this for 15 years, and it might not be true. I don't That's, know, man. He's not the kid on the side in Atlanta. It just seems like if he was such a big RJ fan, then one week later in his home state, at a track that is 20 minutes from his childhood home, he would tell us about RJ1. I agree. Be, you would think it'd be one of like top three moments of his life, yeah. and he's never mentioned he's it. He's never mentioned it, and we've been around him a lot. So Think you know a guy. Yep, yeah, you do. Uh, you think you know a guy. The Jacob Marsack Award for the rider who did the best that you'll never talk about. I got a few thoughts on this one, um, but go ahead, Weech. Yeah, I'm going to get super creative here because I don't actually feel like any of these results are, like, mind-blowing. Like, you know, first of all, shout-out to my guy Barry Carson getting 10th. Uh, I do think of Chester as more of an arena cross guy, so 13th is pretty good. But I'm going to take a completely different um, tact here. So Titchener leads a bit. And he ends up third overall mm-hmm. behind two legends. And he's had multiple podiums throughout his career, led some races, um, you know, even in the premier class. And Ron Titchener is absolutely the victim of what the sport was back then, which was like, yeah, if you're only getting like fourth and fifth in the premier class every weekend, yeah, good luck, dude. You're going to be a privateer. So Titchener was good. Titchener gets podium this year. And by the next year, he is on tough racing. Yeah. He is booted, not only from this team he's on, Team Suzuki, but he does not get picked up by anyone else. He is getting podiums, Steve, in the premier class. He only gets beat by Rick Johnson and Jeff Stanton, two of the greatest riders ever in this race. Now, I understand he is a a local, so maybe he's a little bit better at Gainesville, but he's had podiums. Then Suzuki drops guys to the 125 class, as you know. He kicks ass there. He kicks ass when he gets on tough racing and continues to ride really well. Mm -hmm. He gets like top five at Supercross as a privateer. He wins nationals. And nope, you will never have a factory motorcycle again. So I'm going to go. This is not a shocker because we know he's had podiums. 
But I just feel like this injustice needs to be brought to light. I agree. Uh, I think mm -hmm. I've said this same rant before, or you have, or Tishner was great, and Suzuki wasn't great back then, and he oh, still performed. Can you imagine his bike compared to the Hondas? Right, right, and he still performed, and yeah, um, uh, I hear, I hear you. I'll, I'll give you all of that love for Ronnie Tishner. Uh, I was a Tishner fan. Um, do you remember when he came back in like ninety? So he went to Japan, right? Made a bunch yeah. of money, won some titles there, yeah. battled with Chicken. And then uh -huh. uh, came back, do you remember, in like 97? 90, 97, yeah, Carmichael's first year. And, and he was good. And he was good, dude. He was on a P.E. Suzuki and like top five, six guy with 25 Nationals. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was, I don't know, probably 30, yeah. 30 years old at the time or whatever. So, Dude, I'm looking at it here. So by like 92, he's, again, probably tough racing privateer, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, in 92, yeah. He is podiuming 125 Nationals. He's getting thirds. He's getting seconds. He gets a second at Southwick and a third at High Point. Uh, end of the summer, he gets a third at Washougal, that, second I mean, at that's, Millville. That's the equivalent of, you know, like uh, Josiah Notsky on a PRMX team, you know, showing up and giving yeah, that or whatever. Yeah, getting the same results that this is This is Hunter Lawrence and Joe Shimoda battling second and third last summer, okay? No, but that's I'm what saying, doing. I'm saying yeah. a guy on a privateer team finishing yes. second, second or third. Yes, beating Get, getting the guys. same results yeah. that Hunter Lawrence and Joe Shimoda, who right. are very financially secure, yeah. they will have teams bidding for their services the next time their contract is up. This dude can't get a factory ride. Nope. <laughs> so uh, it was awesome back then. It was great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, everything was better, right? Uh, I'm going to go Roland Diopold for my Marsac Award because, um, yeah, just because. Uh, 11th place no, sure. is pretty good. and yep. uh, But also, I want to say, like, so for some reason, and you never know, but for some reason, Cycle News lists all the qualifying races to get into the 40-man field, which I would have loved for oh. all those times that I tried to race uh, Millville. I think I, you know, went uh, three times or something and never, never – had my name in Cycle News, never had qualifying results, never had LCQs, never had concies, never had anything. And this has the full 40-man listings in Cycle News of everybody that did anything in the qualifying during the day. So when you start looking at these names, like Jimmy Button didn't make the motos. Wow. Yeah, so this is Button's second year. He's on a Honda, and he did not make the motos. I thought it was his first, but either way, Jimmy Button's a big Well, no, a he, big he turned pro after Loretta's in 89, so he rode the last four. Oh, okay. Yeah, if yeah. you count, yeah, second yeah. year counting that, sure. Yep. Sure. Uh, also, Don Formo, uh, a guy from Manitoba that I looked up to, uh, didn't make it either, but but got tenth in the in the uh, LCQ in one of the LCQs. Okay. So, like, when you look at these names, you're just like, holy crap! There was a guy I raced against in North Dakota uh, that got fifteenth. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. So you, you, I just wish these, all these names would have been here. A uh, bunch of Canadians too. Um, then your name would have been there in yeah. the results of a pro yep. national. Yeah, and uh, it's very disappointing. Joe Maurer, though. Joe Maurer comes through with a good ride, who later became a factory Suzuki mechanic for Albi and and then GNCCs. So. Yeah, and uh, he is Fred Andrews' brother-in-law. Still, He and Fred Andrews still run Kawasaki's GNCC team to this day. They do? Oh. They're still the guys, bro. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Still um, the guys. And, Joe Maurer and Fred Andrews. Fred Andrews, shout out to him. He has a good ride this this particular day. Again, as a privateer, as he always was. Uh, Bradshaw has to ride because obviously he's coming from 125s. So Bradshaw has to ride a heat. LaRocco has to ride a heat. You know, Larry Ward runs mm -hmm. a heat. Like, and, you know, basically you have no points, so you didn't qualify for the motos. So you have to line up with these other guys. Dean Baker, 16th in the heat. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, engine builder. Engine builder yep. uh, from mm-hmm. the from the um, for the stars. Uh, and, for, uh, JGR days. Yep. Yeah. So, anyways, mm-hmm. uh, so wow. when you look at these results, you're like, that's really cool. You see a lot of names uh, yeah. for a lot of guys. Um, so. Yep. Uh, but I'll go Roland Diopold, and you know, you said Tishner, and that's that's great. Also, it's a bit of a bit of a race tech rant here on the Liat Reraceables. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and fully deserved. Yep. Tishner was great. Um, but you know, if we we can never do one of these with Ronnie because I I've done a few <laughs> things with him, and he doesn't remember anything. So no, but I love. I will say what Ronnie or his dad. Either one of the Ron Titchners show up at a race. It's a good time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Love it. Thanks to the folks at Decal Works. Pulpamex 23 is a code to save. Decal Works, number one for many reasons, from beginners to seasoned vets, race teams, project builds, magazine tests. They uphold the uh, def- upholding the true definition of quality, service, and knowledge. Weege, uh, Decal Works, side plate mm. graphics. Mm. Hot topic around the Wygant household, Decal Works. Putting graphics on our bike for our annual pilgrimage to Daytona Bike Week, which is the same thing that Gainesville was essentially around. Uh, so, yeah, Decal Works always hooks me up. Graphics went on my uh, son's uh, Gas Gas 50 really easily because the apparently the panels aren't that curved. So I'm like, you know what? They sent me graphics a year ago. I've been dreading this moment of trying to put graphics over the muffler side of a four-stroke, but I'm going to do it. This is no problem. Graphics have improved. It was still, still very difficult. Unbelievable. It looks so bad. It looks so bad. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I went to Club MX today, and uh, it was noticed. The graphics. Oh, people. Noticed. Oh, did you did you get some shit? I, I'm glad. Yeah, people I, noticed, and I'm just like, dude, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks to Decal Works anyway. The graphics look good, but the application needs needs some help. That's that's user error. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm glad yeah. people saw this and gave you shit. That's great. So Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, thanks to RJ. Great interview. We'll have him back on. Uh, thank you, mm-hmm. people, for listening. Gainesville 1990. Watch it on, on YouTube. It's great. Uh, really, the guys are going at it for what seems like 25 minutes. And, at, and, and Stanton almost gets RJ at the finish, too, in the second moto. It's close. So, um, yeah, great race. Oh, yeah, yeah. He passes him after the finish line. Yeah. He jumps, jumps over him. Yeah. yeah, that's how good. Like, seriously, how many national motos have been – this close. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. It's it's fantastic. So uh, please check it yeah. out. Uh, thanks to Liet as well. And, uh, and Weech, thank you, buddy. Thanks. All right. See you soon.